The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker, rocker, rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about a hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. And then also, uh, if you want to catch that, you can do so up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, which time he'll be live in that area. Actually, he wasn't on yesterday, was he? <laughs> that is an educational video. So he wasn't on. I'm, I, I don't know if he'll be on today or not, but uh, you can check at 3 o'clock and see. Right side of the page is where we're at. Uh, click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you got there. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. And uh, click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. A lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning, you guys. Good to see you. And then uh, while you're there, please subscribe to the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And my mouth is, like, really, really dry this morning. I don't know why. Um, but be sure to do that. And then also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page over there. And we appreciate those guys giving us a spot as well. Uh, right up under where we're streaming live on sonsoflibertymedia.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. And uh, you'll get all of our articles for the day, including the morning show archive. And uh, that includes the video, the podcast, any of the links that we talk about, articles, whatever. All right, and then also you get some bonus videos uh, as well. I usually have some that I scarf up from our Telegram group and other places. And uh, I think they're – I may not agree with everything, so don't everybody think that I'm just getting on something. Just I find certain things interesting, okay? Um, I just – I find them interesting. Uh, and then don't forget, Bradley's got a new book. Actually, he's got two new books out and a T-shirt. So if you're interested in that, you can go to our store. Uh, which there's a menu off of sonsoflibertymedia.com right at the top. You can click on that on the store and go there, or you can go straight to it, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. Soldier of the Cross t-shirts, 20 bucks. 
or 25 if you're double X or a little bit larger. And then also the book by the same name, Soldier of the Cross, $10. And then all the profits were pointing to the front, $10. Those are both in our store. And uh, you guys can pick that up and give us some feedback as to what you, what you think about what you read and what you wear. All right. And maybe have some conversations uh, spawned off by that T-shirt, which, by the way, has some great, really great artwork on it. And uh, it's long lasting, too. I, they didn't do it like they did the last one. And it's got some texture to it. So I don't know what that process is called. Now, it used to be screen printing, but then screen printing is just wear off and they fade and they peel and everything else. This isn't that. This is something else. So uh, be sure to check those out. High quality T-shirts there at Sons of Liberty uh, store. All right. Now, with that said, I want to give you a couple of things because, uh, you know, tomorrow is this uh, FEMA thing and, uh, you know, where they're doing the emergency broadcast deal. And, um, you know, maybe if that maybe they were planning something, maybe it was, maybe you can alert enough people, the word gets around and they kind of back off of it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't claim to know. There are people who claim to know. I'm not one of those guys. Um, I don't like them invading my privacy and using something that I pay for to send out their stupid little tests or to give me an Amber Alert, which is more than likely, I'm just going to tell you what I think about Amber Alerts. I think Amber Alerts are to get kids away from, from parents who've had enough of them most of the time. Maybe not all the time, but I'm, I think they're, they're after kids in that. That's just me. Call me conspiracy theorist. It doesn't hurt me. At all. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. But we talked about this emergency broadcast thing that was to be put out tomorrow, the 4th, 222. And, you know, I just told, I informed some family members. I said, you know, I doubt probably anything's going to happen. But just in case, I'm turning my phone off for two hours. From two to four, so I'm just turning it off. Yeah, they can break in anytime they want. They really can. Uh, and they can do this broadcasting stuff. But... I'm just going to turn it off just to be safe. It's that. It's all the constant, you know, fighting and politicking and grandstanding while the agenda keeps moving on because the people, most of the people still haven't figured out there isn't a dime's worth of difference between Republican and Democrat. And I know some people are going to cut me off right there, but you know it's true. The same agenda advances forth under Republicans. It may advance a little slower under Republicans than it does Democrats. But nine times out of ten, what happens is, is Republicans set up everything, put it in place, so Democrats can come in and use it. Think red flag logs. Who, who was doing that? Well, that was Bush, Daddy Bush. And then Donald Trump was the one who really pushed all that stuff. And now, it's going full steam ahead under Joe Biden. So that's just one area. Education, we could point Republican, Democrat for decades, pushing something that's unconstitutional. Yeah, unconstitutional agendas. And we can see that and we can just kind of throw our hands up. Now, you guys have heard me about D.C. Uh, I think it needs to be abolished, period. Okay? It is so corrupt it needs to be abolished. But some people just throw their hands up and, just, and then they start going, well, it's written in the Word. Well, how do you know that's for this time? How do you know it's this time? See, because a lot of people have talked about Jesus is coming for millennia. And they've been completely wrong. Completely wrong. 
And I think people use that often as an escape mechanism to not take the stands they needed to take in the sphere of influence God has put them in. And they won't do. They'll complain. They'll come in the chat and complain. They'll, they'll be upset. And then they go, oh, we can't do anything. Jesus just said, he said it was going to be like this. Yeah, he also said that we're to occupy till he comes. He also said that we're to stand fast. He also says that we're to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. He says that we're to have faith and not, not have faith. And so there's a couple of stories that were out. We talked the other week about uh, them taking this mRNA, which I, let's just call it poison. Let's call it for what it is. Sorceries, poisons. That's all these pharmacies know how to turn out is some sort of poison. I don't know that there's one thing when, when you stop and you start backing up and you start looking at what they put in, the medicines they put in, I don't know that they can look at one of them and say they're safe and effective. Not just vaccines. I mean, these things are laced with chemicals that are poisons to us. They are. My dad was shocked when I shared with them uh, Artis's uh, research on the blood pressure medication that all of them have venom in them. Venom in them. <laughs> my poet don't know it, but my feet show it because they long fellas. Well, that's what goes on. That's, that's what's been going on. We've been being poisoned. And we see it in the generation that's growing up before us. We see the poisoning that's going on. It's not just physical things that are happening to them. Even mentally, people are becoming unstable. In large measure due to the, the sorceries of the pharmacia, the big pharma. All these things, kind of things go on. Well, we talked about the meat. They're trying to get in the meat. We, we've talked about the vegetables and the fruits that they're trying to do this kind of technology with and all kinds of other weird stuff, 3D printing meat and just weird stuff. Like, who wants to eat that? I guess there's somebody who wants to eat it. I don't know. Well, hold on to your hats. Forget the needles or your consent. There is now a quote-unquote air vaccine. This is the latest way to get poisons into the bodies of the population. People who don't want to take them shots, well, we're, we're just going to find a way to get this into you. Here's what Max Slava reports. The ear vaccine is here. It's able to deliver sorcery, pharmacia poisons to you and to the human body without a needle injection. And if you know that's the case, and they're going to do it in the air, they're going to do it without your consent, just like they did with this other. Nobody balked at that. Nobody balked that they weren't informed. This is how dumbed down, you know, th this is the joke sort of of a federal government in control of education. And by the way, if you think education is having a sheepskin from a college university, you are sadly mistaken, or even a high school diploma for that matter. Education is being able to read, to research, to do and to come out with a conclusion that you've thought through. That's really being educated on something. A person that says that they know the Bible, but they never read it, they can't be educated on the Bible, right? Same thing with the Constitution. Same thing with anything, any subject matter. 
If you guys have been along for my little journey here on Saturday mornings and also some throughout the week, uh, like we had with Dr. Jana Schmidt yesterday, then you'll understand I've been being educated. <laughs> there were a lot of things I suspected just from experience and what I had seen. But I've been being educated, and that education brings knowledge, and with that knowledge brings power, and with that power brings an overcoming of fear. A lot of times our fears come from what's unknown. And Jesus has told us we shouldn't be afraid. You know, he reveals to us what we need to know before the time. So with that said... Here's Max's report. He says the, this technology can be delivered right into the lungs and has been used to, quote-unquote, vaccinate mice intranously. That's a different word for, for me. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the mice wanted to have this done to them, too. Oh, Tim, there you go. You're becoming an animal lover. Yes, I do love animals. I don't necessarily like having all, you know, some in my house, but I like animals. And um, I don't see anywhere where we're going to be using animals in this kind of manner, testing on them, and putting all kinds of cruelties on them. Um, it shows a lack and a disregard for life in general when people do this. Oh, we're trying to save lives, not by, not by taking them, not by doing the things. I mean, people were repulsed at what Fauci was doing to these beagles. You guys remember that? Much less what he did to the children. Which he has never has never been held to account for, but he's going to be. Don't don't rest assured he's he's going to be he's going to be held accountable. A team from Yale University has developed a new airborne method for delivering this sorcery right to your lungs. The method also has also been used to vaccinate mice, uh, opening the door for human testing in the near future. Hmm. Yeah, their testing is going to be just that. They're going to experiment on you just like they did with the COVIDs unless you, uh, unless you bring a stop to it. How are you going to do that? You're going to, you're going to run up to D.C. and have a protest? Nope, you're going to do it right in your backyard. It's a little more difficult when it isn't the party atmosphere and you've got to do it day in and day out in your backyard, isn't it? It's a little bit different. Yeah. While scientists may celebrate this invention as a convenient method to vaccinate large populations, skeptics have started to raise obvious concerns about the potential misuse. You think? <laughs> you think? Oh, my goodness. So there's, there's some more to the story here in a video that you can check out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then this one came out from uh, Mike Adams uh, over at Natural News, and it's about the five... G remote kill vector. Science paper reveals cell phone signals can activate release of biological payloads from graphene oxide injected into the body. Guys, I, I really do believe, let me, let me just say this. I we've talked about this before. We've talked about the patents on some of this technology that allow the controller behind them to basically offer a kill switch. And when I say kill switch, I mean kill people. Cut, just cut them off from the land of living. That's, that's what's going on there. So we've known about this for a while. But I think that God has been working in the midst of all of this to warn people, not only to warn them, but to also show mercy in the midst of it. Many of us, and I include myself in this, have learned a lot about detoxing 
uh, getting certain things out of our body, putting the right things into our body. And I think God's preparing us for what's coming. But we still need to bring justice. No matter if we're prepared or not, we need to be br- bringing justice. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, I don't, here's the thing, uh, Rose, I don't, it's, I don't promote fear-mongering. Knowing what the enemy does is one thing. It's like if you go and you start a military campaign, and I'm talking about a righteous one, you want to know who your enemy is, you want to know where they are, you want to know what they have. That way when you send your guys in, your planes, your tanks, whatever you're sending, you know what you're dealing with. That's not to cause fear, it's to provide knowledge so that you know how to fight. That's a whole big different thing, Okay. But I have seen I have seen the stuff on these kind of technologies you have, and you have to understand they love death. That's what the Bible says. They don't love life; they love death. This is why they are constantly creating instruments of death. So it's an issue of knowing who you're dealing with. That's the issue: knowing who you're dealing with. And I, I want to contrast that, and that's why we're going to go to the scripture here this morning. I want to contrast. This is one of many things. You hear uh, little Dr. Evil Klaus Schwab talking about all the stuff he wants to do. He's one guy. He's one guy. You hear his little buddy, his little sodomite buddy, Noah Harari. He's one guy. They want to do all this stuff. How many of these wicked men have these delusions of grandeur ruling the world and all that and have been put down time and time and time and time and time again, and yet the people fear them? Well, I'm not afraid of them. I see them for what they are. I see what they say, and I'll let people know exactly what they say. The scriptures tell us that we're not to be afraid. That is, if we have real faith. If you're shaking in your boots over all this stuff, you might want to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. We should not be shaken by these things. We see them as for what they are, and we should stand against them. That's what we should do. So we see what they have, we see what they do, and we should stand against them. Um, there were several videos that I had, um, been on the little bit of a binge here with the, uh, the Reese report catching up on some of those, but you know, it's interesting how the people want, they may not use the term King, but they want men to rule over them. They do. Most people want men to look and you watch them when it's election time, boy, they get all into that. I want my guy to rule over me and my neighbors. I want my tyrant in the red jersey to rule over me and my neighbors. I don't want that blue tyrant, but I want the red tyrant. And that's what people do. And they think that's fighting back. It's not. It's succumbing to what's going on. Now, with that said, I want to take you to a couple of passages. And, um, you know, I've been accused of denying that, that giants exist. Nonsense. I've never done that. Um, the Bible's replete with giants all throughout it from the beginning, you know, and, and several passages of Scripture, which we're going to talk about today, where, there, where giants existed. Sure they did. Were they to be feared? Well, men did fear them, but there were other men who didn't. There were other men who didn't. Let's start here in the book of Numbers. Now, if you read Numbers, um, most people get bored with them because, well, such and such, you know, it's kind of like 
uh, reading uh, Genesis 4 or something, you know, such and such begat somebody, such and such begat somebody else, and this, that, and the other. And um, that's not that's not all of what it is. That stuff's important, or it wouldn't be written. But it's interesting to me that God had given the people a land. He promised it to Abraham. He gave him a small portion of uh, land that he got there uh, to bury his, his people on. And it was, it was sort of the down payment of what was coming later in, uh, in time, hundreds of years later for the people that God promised it to, which were Abraham's descendants. And so there is a set of spies. They, the, Egyptian, the Egyptians have let the people go, God's people, the Israelites, and they let them go. And they're coming up into the land, right? And what do we find? This is Numbers uh, chapter 13. And beginning in verse 16, he's listed all these men here from different tribes. And these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. Okay, so he, he lists the 12 spies, one from each tribe. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or few, or excuse me, strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. So they're gathering information. This is what I'm talking about, about the other stuff. I'm not talking about they went up to, to be scared. They went up there to gain knowledge about the enemy. Okay? Same thing happens when we give you information about what these people, wicked people, are devising in our country and in our world. It's not to cause you fear. It's to show you who the enemy is and what he's got and what he's doing. And, whether, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the, fir- was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rahab, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came into Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came to the brook of Eskel, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the, of the figs. And the place was called the brook Eskel, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. So they hung out in this land for forty days. Forty days. And they got all kinds of good stuff. I mean, can you imagine a cluster of grapes? You got to put on some poles and hang it between two guys to carry on their shoulders. If they're muscadine grapes, that's even better. <laughs> and they told him, excuse me, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Hmm. 
And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak were there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Hmm. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You hear that? Did, did you just notice what went on? They got all the bad news, if you will, about the bad guys. Right? They, they, they have all the bad news about the bad guys. And what does Caleb do? Caleb gets everybody quiet and he says, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we, for we are well able to overcome it. See, all the other guys, here's what they do. They do like some people that I see in the chat sometimes. They do like people that I hear on even the alternative media and stuff. Oh, what can we do? We can't do anything. It's just, we just have to, we just have to accept it's there. And then they, they wallow in their fear. Oh, what are we going to do when they do this to us? What are we going to do when they do that to us? It's the same evil report these guys had. And then what they do is they turn around and they mock somebody like Bradley or somebody like me and says, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> Don't we have the one who said he has all authority in heaven and on earth on our side? Isn't he the one who told us to go forth? Yes, he is. Oh, but Tim, Tim, it's the God of this world. We can't overcome him. Really? Who told you that? The scripture didn't tell you that. Scripture says that you overcome by the word, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. That's what it tells you. Constantly. But I'll tell you what happens is the people get their minds focused on things that don't impact their lives at all, and they, they make that the mountain when it's really a molehill. They make that the mountain. They don't take and they don't look past what they're seeing and have real faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. We already have evidence that God exists. We already have evidence that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, on our behalf. We already have evidence that he is well pleased with him. And I'll, I'll just tell you straight out, the biggest evidence we have of all of that is 70 AD. God did away with that old covenant system. He established the new and his son, the Lord Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that evidence isn't disputed by anybody. And Jesus said it was going to come. Why? Because he said they were going to see him coming on the, on the clouds with power and great glory. To do what? To bring judgment. Now that same Jesus exists today, people. Same guy. Same God-man. 
And yet the people look and, and they kind of look and go, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if Jesus wants to do all this. I mean, he's telling us all these other things are going to happen. And that, yeah, okay. What did he tell you to do? See, that's where we get lost. We get our eyes on the waves. We're like Peter. Peter says, tell, tell me to come to you, Jesus. And Peter gets out and he starts walking on the water. And he's got his, he's fixed on the one who told him not to fear, but to come to him. Then he gets a little sea spray on his face or whatever, and his eyes get off of Jesus, and he starts looking at all the other little stuff, the scary stuff. And that's when he begins to sink. I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of people in the United States are at. They're just fine as long as the water's calm. They're just fine. When it starts to get a little rough, they don't have their eyes fixed on Jesus, so they're looking at everything else that's scary. And they become fearful. Well, these guys went in there and did that too. And for Caleb, he's like, no, nah, we got this. The, the Lord said we can, we can take it. We can overcome. And this is what the men did to Caleb. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. See, they, they won't listen... It's kind of like that thing, what somebody should have done. You ever had that thing when you're a kid and um, and you get into these things with your friends? And, My dad's bigger than you. My dad can beat up your dad and all stuff like that. You know, you know how kids are. And you say things like that. It, well, somebody should have turned around and told these boys, um, our daddy's bigger than their daddy. <laughs> you know, our daddy's already promised us that land. Look at how, I mean, these are the same people that just got miraculously delivered out of Egypt, even leaving with spoils in their hands. Oh, how easy and soon we forget the goodness of God, don't we? We forget His power in our life. That's why we have to constantly be reminded of it. Verse 32, And they brought up an evil report of the land. You get that? Not a good report, an evil report of the land. Before, what did they do? They grabbed all this fruit. They got, you know, they spied out. Oh, it's a great land. Look at it. It's, it's, it's a land flowing milk and honey, just like God said, all this stuff. And then now, when it comes time to do real action, oh, their, their excuses are just coming out everywhere. They brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land though we, or through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It says the land. I've heard people say, well, the giants are eating people. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They're big boys down there. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Man, did you see how big those guys were? Man, there's no way we can take those guys. That's what they're thinking. And sadly, there's many people in the United States, as well as in other countries who might be listening, and you think, there's just too many of them. The thin blue line is a big fat one. No pun intended. The, the, the state has too many cameras. They got too many weapons. 
Oh, I didn't get to do that that video or the uh, article on the fighting against direct en- energy weapons. It's really great. Simple little things defeat multi-million dollar devices. Let, let me just point out something. A bunch of ragtag desert nomads in the Middle East were able to continuously fight against what could be arguably the greatest army in the world, at the at least at the time, our military. And they're still going. Yeah, but Tim, they didn't do the rules. Yeah, I know they didn't do it. I, I get it. In God's providence, that's all there. But my point is, is they didn't back down. Those guys are driven by the fact somebody's in their land. And we can argue their ideology all we want, and I, I, I'm against Islam. I want the Muslim people to know Christ and the fullness of his glory and of his grace. I want them to know that. Absolutely. But their ideology drives them to drive out people who aren't supposed to be there who are invading their land. Just like we would. If, if they come over here, well, they're coming over here. <laughs> I don't see people uh, fighting them just yet. Although some little fights are starting to break out, and I got to tell you, some video clips I'm seeing in schools and uh, some of the stuff that's going on, yeah, makes me concerned, but at least I know what's going on with it. Now, the issue is what do you do about it? How do you fight against it? Not how do you run from it, how do you fight against it? And there may be a time for retreats. I'm not saying that. Sometimes you do have to retreat and you have to regather yourself. That's not a fearful thing. It's a wise thing of saying, well, I'm just not going to fight here till I'm just dead. And then nobody's here to, to fight against the bad guys. We might have to retreat. We might have to, you know, find some shelter here to, to fight the guys. Even military men will tell you that. There's time for that. And so these guys have, they've got a bad complex about them we're grasshoppers in their sight but for caleb and joshua yeah we can take them they're a piece of cake man and what happens what does happen as they go in as they spot the land not only do they rescue people rahab and her family but they overcome they overcome they put those with the evil report in their mouth to shame because they overcome course those who didn't believe died in the wilderness didn't they 40 years instead of going into the land of promise enjoying all that fruit that they had brought out and and the land itself and the blessings of god they chose to believe their eyes and what they were seeing rather than the promise of god and as a result they never inherited the promise joshua and caleb did they inherited the promise And they brought a whole new generation of people into the land of promise and they overcame and they had victory. That's not all. We read this one the other week. Again, even as a little kid, I never grew tired of hearing this particular account of what happened. But it's always one of those things that's very encouraging. You know the story? The Philistines are up against the Israelites. And there's a champion that comes out. Verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had the helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. So he's a big boy. He's got a lot of armor. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, said unto them, Why are you come out to settle your battle in array? Am I not, excuse me, am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. See, men have this complex where they just want to rule over other men. And sadly, some men want them to rule over them. We want to give us a king like the rest of the nations. Give us a king like the that's That's men's attitude. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those, heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and what? Greatly afraid. Now, it's one thing for the men to be fearful. Now you got the king. He's afraid too. Saul's afraid. These guys are shaking in their boots at one guy. Now, he's a big guy. Don't get me wrong. He's nine foot tall. He's bigger than my ceiling. He's a big guy. I'm, I'm sure that upon seeing the guy, you'll strike fear in your heart. Unless, unless you know the God of Israel. And you have faith in the true and living God that he will deliver that man into your hand. Well, I'm going to scroll down for the sake of time because I want to hit a couple more things. You've got David. He's the youngest among all of his brothers. He's a, he's a shepherd. Hasn't seen any battle. But he has had to defend the sheep. And here's what we see. And David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. The Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. See, the fear-mongering was going on by Goliath. 
Everybody saw it. Everybody heard it. But the fear-mongering was coming from Goliath. wasn't coming from the men of Israel just yet. Okay? But I want you to notice what happens to them as a result of the fear-mongering of the enemy. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? I mean, you got to get the voice inflection here. Have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to defile Israel has he come up? Oh my goodness, David. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, that the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Well, why wasn't all these guys clamoring for the prize? Because they were fearful. They had believed the fear-mongering of Goliath. That's why they didn't go up to do it. But David didn't care about the prize. That was not the issue. He was ticked off, offended, if you will, that this guy was defying the armies of God, the Israelite army. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eli, his brother, uh, eldest brother, heard what he spake unto the men, and Eli's anger was kindled against David. And you know why it was kindled? Because he was a coward. And he saw his younger brother coming up with courage. And he said to David, he kindled against David, and he said to him, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Get back to your job, boy. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You just want to get a look at the fight. Doesn't sound like that to me. It looks like David wants to be in the fight. <laughs> and David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Oh my goodness, is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. You don't have the skills or the training. You don't have the armor. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went on after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. I like, I like the courage. I like the confidence. I like the faith of David. He is not questioning whether he's going to win over Goliath. He's not questioning that at all. Man. He shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. I believe David thought, God doesn't like hearing this out of this Philistine's mouth any more than I do. And if I'm willing to stand, how much more is God willing to stand with me and deliver this guy into my hand? David said, moreover, the Lord that, deliver, that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. 
And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, also armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. So he just went and whatever he came there with. No uniform, no armor. And then he did this. He took a staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. Going to hit that real quickly in just a minute. Five smooth stones out of the brook. Why five when you only need one? Story shows they only need one. Seems that uh, Goliath had some brothers. Put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, My dog, thou comest to me with staves. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He's continuing in his fear-mongering. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. You can almost see this like a matchup, like a WWE matchup. You know, they're coming out, the music's played. Now they're going to give their, you know, best cut downs or whatever they're doing. And David's not fearful. David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted. He didn't pause. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Can you imagine this scenario here? Nine-foot giant. I don't even know what size David is. My guess is he's probably a fit young man who's probably not extremely tall, but he goes out here and he runs towards him. David put his hand in his bag, took a fence of stone, slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and you got to know that that's God's power behind it. It wasn't just he revved that thing up and let it go. And he fell upon his face to the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, since he didn't have a sword in his hand, he ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, and they fled. And the men of Israel of Judah arose and shouted. Do you see the picture? Do you see the scenario that goes on? Now that David has conquered the giant, now all of a sudden there is this courage. And the men who were once fearful to actually go to battle again. The men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharam, even unto Goth and unto Ekron, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. 
And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Listen, listen, listen. If you don't get anything else, listen to this. All the bad guys that you see, and even the bad guys who are behind the bad guys, they're going to come to the same end. They're going to come to this same end. The question is, are they going to come at the hands of the people bringing justice upon them? Or are the people going to sit back and say, well, God will take care of it? God took care of the Philistine. He took care of Goliath. David didn't do that. God did that. But he used the means of David to do it. And for some of you who are listening, you're the means that God is using to defeat the giant in your county, in your state. You're the means that he's using it for. Don't be discouraged. Don't be fearful. Put your trust in the Lord. Is he not the deliverer? Yes, he is. He is the deliverer. Many people say they know him, but they don't know him as a deliverer. They don't know him as a provider. They don't know him as healer. They don't know him as savior. They don't know him as Lord. They say they do. But their actions show something different. David was an overcomer. Why these five, food, five stones he's got? Well, we had a guy, uh, Rick Godley, some years back. He wrote some uh, articles. I thought they were just great. And I, I was reminded of them uh, today that these giants, Goliath had some rows. We read about Goliath, obviously, here in 1 Samuel 17. But over in 2 Samuel 21, he's got another one. His name was Ishbi Binab. And um, he was a giant. Then we have one in 2 Samuel 21, a little bit later on in the chapter. A giant named Saph, S-A-P-H. Just some homework if you guys want to go and look them up. And then we had a couple more. Uh, and I'd pulled these up. First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. Lami. L-A-H-M-I. Lami. And, uh, and he's in there as well. And then we had a couple of more guys. And by the way, they're, they're interesting is this one guy, he's like got six fingers. Um, that's real interesting. But he's, he's got six fingers. I think he's got six toes, too. Yeah. Um, this guy, 2 Samuel chapter 21, and there was again war in Gath. There was a man of great stature, had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was descended from the giants. So we see that there was some other guys, some other brothers that were hanging around. And see, David didn't go out just to take out the one giant. He was prepared for any more that might come too. And that might be a word that you want to keep in the back of your head too as you're facing off 
with city councils, school councils, state legislatures, whatever the case is that you're dealing with, or a sheriff's department or something like this, is always be aware that sometimes the enemy is not just the one in your face. It might be those that will come to their aid. That happens too. And so David was ready for the contingency if other giants came out against him. Isn't that something? And I'll leave you, I, I'll leave you with this. Look, again, I think it was Rose who was making mention of fear-mongering. Yeah, there's a lot of people at fear-monger. Boy, there's a bunch of them in the alternative media that they, they just thrive. Every, every headline I see from them is some kind of fear-mongering. If it's not that, it's to the extreme the other way. Oh, this changes everything. Now, I've used that phrase on something where it did change everything as far as what was going on, but that's a rarity that I do that because nine times out of ten, it doesn't do that. But the Scripture gives us encouragement. It doesn't tell us not to do the things that we're supposed to do. And this is why there are a lot of people who don't want to hear this kind of message. Oh, they want to talk to you about giants. They want to talk to you about angels. And they want to talk to you about Harvard. And they want to talk, and all those things have their place. Don't get me wrong. But they don't talk about the things that have to do with doing what they're supposed to do. And, and that's the real problem that I have with it. I don't have no problem talking about all those other things. But what are you doing? Well, I can't do it. You know, the Bible says it's written this way and this, that, and the other. Yeah, a lot of people thought just like you a thousand years ago. They thought just like you. They thought it was coming upon them too. And it didn't. And many of them lost their liberty. Some lost their lives because they wouldn't take a stand. And they wouldn't fight back against the evildoers. But they'll talk tough, won't they? They'll say, oh, I'm going to die in a pile of brass. Doing all this kind of stuff. The big talk. At the end of the day... They're like the men of Israel. At the end of the day, that's what they are. No courage, no, no stand. We're told in Scripture, these make war against the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them. Hmm. The Lamb shall overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Hmm. And what else do we know? That we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How did David overcome? Same thing. He was looking to the Messiah who was coming. And the word of his testimony was, you're not going to defile the armies of Israel. God's going to deliver you into my hand. God will deliver the giants into our hands if we're willing to go out and to fight them. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. See ya.